0: You've probably heard the old saying, where God guides, God provides. Just specifically, what is it he is providing? Well, as we are learning this week and over the course of the next couple of weeks, he is providing himself, his Holy Spirit, and the gifts that come along with that. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, who is continuing his journey through 1 Corinthians. Today we find ourselves in chapter 12 as we're focusing in on a series we've simply entitled Spiritual Gifts. There's an awful lot of them. And why does God give us these gifts? To what end? What purpose? And to whose glory? Whose benefit? These are questions we're answering here on Study Verse by Verse. Won't you join us? Spiritual Gifts. That's next. Here's Pastor Layton Sheely now with today's program.
1: Whenever you see the word spirit capitalized, it is a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. If it's not capitalized, it is a reference to some other spirit, the spirit of the moment, uh, uh, the spirit of the prophet uh, Elijah, and, and so forth. So if it's capitalized, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord, that is the Holy Spirit, is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's speaking of prophecy, that's a spiritual gift. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, it's talking about a gift, the gift of healing, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It's a spiritual gift, the gift of evangelism. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked upon him intently, and then he began to speak to them and said, The Scriptures you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So Jesus connected... Messianic prophecy, the, and that he was the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy of the Old Testament with the presence, power, and manifestation of the, of the Holy Spirit through spiritual gifts. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter 10 because we want to make sure we understand the priority of spiritual gifts. I alluded to it earlier. We just want to make sure that we all get this really important uh, point that uh, Jesus gives us in his scripture. Luke chapter 10, it's important for us to understand the priority of spiritual gifts to salvation. Now, we're told that Jesus sent out 72 disciples to do ministry. verse 17, it says, When the 72... And by the way, some of your translations may have 70. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I mean, (laughs) they were excited. I mean, even the demons have to do what we say when we use your name, Lord. Now, let me digress here for just a moment. Is it any wonder why Satan and the demons don't want you to know about the power, presence, and spiritual gifts that God has for you? Do you think they want to do what you tell them to do in Jesus' name? No, they want to do it their way, right? Can you imagine this discomfort of Satan and his demons? If Christians started finding out what was available to them? And it'd cause a real disturbance, wouldn't it? When Jesus describes it, he says, Yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Whoa. But then Jesus says something that's really important for us not to miss. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying this, that your salvation takes priority and is far more important than the fact of spiritual gifts manifest in your life. You might have spiritual gifts, but if you don't have salvation, it really doesn't matter in the long run. You catch what I mean? There is nothing more important than salvation. That's what Jesus said. If you want to celebrate something, celebrate the fact that you're saved. That's what's important. And that's important for us to know because there are some churches that get things backwards. They seem to put a a priority on spiritual gifts and kind of minimize or diminish the importance of salvation. But remember, the spiritual gifts are given not as the end, but as a means to the end. The end is salvation. They, they give us an opportunity to, to, to lead to salvation. That's what it's about. And so that needs to be our pri- priority. Now, I may have mentioned last week that there are some interesting teachings about spiritual gifts. And, um, and so I think it's important for us to be aware of them. There are some people who believe that some spiritual gifts have ceased. And uh, this uh, perspective is called cessation. Cease Cessation perspective. Um, and cessationists tend to pick and choose the spiritual gifts that they they think have ceased. Now, you'll notice around verse 28, it says that uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, around uh, verse 28 says uh, that God gave apostles, God gave prophets, and God gave teachers. Now, most cessationists will say, well, it's obvious that God still gives teachers. we got some great teachers all throughout history. However, God doesn't really give... Prophets anymore. And they base their logic on a verse found in Hebrews chapter 1, which reads, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. And so they say, they think the word but means He no longer speaks to us through prophets. The problem with that idea is it's not biblical. Because in Revelation chapter 11, which is still in the future, we find out that God has two very special prophets that get killed, left in the street for three and a half days while the earth celebrates, and then God brings them back to life and takes them to heaven. So obviously, God is not done with prophets yet. It's not biblical. And there are some who believe that the gift of apostle has ceased, and they base their argument on the frequent references to the twelve, that there are twelve apostles. And when Judas dropped out and lost his position, then he was replaced either by Matthias or by Paul, uh, depending on, 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 on who it is who's, who's suggesting that. See, the problem with this is it's also not biblical. Because in the Bible, the word apostle is used to describe men who were not numbered among the twelve. For instance, Barnabas in Acts 14.4, Silas and Timothy in 1 Thessalonians 2.6, and a few other outstanding leaders in Romans 6.7, 2 Corinthians 8.23, and Philippians 2.25. So the Bible uses the term apostle on men who were not numbered among the twelve. What does this mean? Well, it's easier to understand if, if you understand that there is the office of the apostle which the twelve refer to, and that's, those, are all, those are all set, and there is the gift of apostle. And the gift of apostle can be given to men who are not numbered among the twelve. Now, what are the qualifications for being an apostle, according to the Scriptures? Well, the person has to have been visited by the post-resurrection Jesus, They have to be commissioned by Jesus to do a special ministry, and that fulfillment of that calling should be accompanied by miracles. And we know people, even today in our generation, that meet these qualifications. Now, one of the things I have found in talking with people who I would think would have the gift of uh, being an apostle is that they are not interested in the least in titles they are not the least bit interested in being called an apostle. They are just so thankful that they can be a servant of God and that God has called them to do something and that God is is obviously working with them because what they're doing is constantly being uh, endorsed by miracles. Which means that we as a church are very wary of people who insist upon or parade upon or encourage others to call them apostle. If somebody wants to be called apostle, they probably aren't really an apostle. So we need to be wary. There are some cessationists who believe that tongues has ceased. Now, on the flip side of this, there are some people who believe that tongues are the most important spiritual gift, That everybody speaks in tongues, and everybody should speak in tongues. Um, And the logic is this. We're saved because of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit always brings tongues. So if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. And there are whole denominations that teach this. That is not what the Bible teaches. At the end of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul asks a list of rhetorical questions. He says, are all apostles? And the obvious answer is, no. Are all prophets? Do all work miracles? And do all speak in tongues? No. But some do. And those who do should exercise their, um, their gift for the benefit of all, and according to scriptural instruction. And we'll get into that when we uh, look at that particular uh, spiritual gift. Um, there's one more thing that I'd like to point out, and that is the issue of counterfeits. Many of us are familiar with counterfeits. Uh, there are guys in white suits on television who uh, take advantage of people and uh, say, you send us 20 bucks and we'll pray for you and you'll be healed. And there have been exposés on, that have shown that these guys are nothing but con artists. And so we might have a tendency to say, ah, that whole thing is nothing but a counterfeit. It's all counterfeit. To that, I would ask you the question, um, how many counterfeit uh, $250 bills have you ever seen? None, right? Why not? Because there's not a real $250 bill, right? You only counterfeit something that's real. And so if there are counterfeits, that means that there's something real someplace. And we want to be able to distinguish between what's real and what's not. Also, people do not counterfeit something that doesn't have value. And the fact that Satan and his agents counterfeit spiritual gifts indicates that spiritual gifts are very valuable, and Satan and his agents recognize that. And it's our desire as we study spiritual gifts to be able to distinguish the real thing from the counterfeits. That's why Paul said at the beginning of his instruction concerning spiritual gifts. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be ignorant. Because if we're ignorant, if we misuse or abuse spiritual gifts, then we are functionally a crippled body of Christ.
0: Amen. Well, there you have it. That's the mandate and the direction that we are focusing on over the next couple of three weeks. We take a look at these spiritual gifts and to what end they are administered to you and I and for what purpose you and I are to use them. If you have questions about the program, we invite you to join us at our website, highlands.us. You can review past messages there as well as take advantage of other resource materials. Find out more about Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, directions, service times. highlands.us the place to start. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.